This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Folks, he's back for Thursday Coast, fresh from quite a momentous family event. And we should hear about that first. His son graduated. Marcos Melissa's is, worst of all, we all, I mean, I do it. We know who he is. Founder, founding publisher of Daily Coast, largest online progressive community, founder of the polling firm Civics with a Q with one of the largest ongoing sample sizes. Co-founder, uh, co-founder. I got a lot of help on that one. You got help. Okay. Got a lot of help on that. Host of the most popular podcast in the world, The Brief. And the proud father of a son who graduated. Am I saying right? Graduated from basic no, he graduated from advanced infantry training. Advanced, advanced infantry training. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Congrats. Saw the pictures on your social media. You must feel great. Following in your footsteps. Yeah. I was artillery, so he's even more hardcore <laughs> and even more army-esque. He's doing the foundational piece of any military is the infantry. It's known as the queen of battle because they are the most versatile, most strategically important piece on a chessboard. And he is, not only did he graduate infantry training and he won best student of the cycle. So he, uh, when you see uh, people like Ted Cruz bemoaning the woke military, I just like to point out that my very woke Berkeley son <laughs> won best soldier of the cycle for his uh, for his uh, advanced infantry training platoon and he's headed to uh, ranger school which is arguably the toughest uh if not one of the top two toughest schools in the entire u.s military the only the, the other school that that they argue a lot is navy seals so there's an argument whether a navy seal or army ranger is a tougher school but either way it is it pumps out the most elite soldiers, and he is headed over there now. I mean, obviously, I'm incredibly proud of him. And it's amazing. It's amazing how much drive he has. Mark, I don't, in, in my upbringing with my kids, we had means. We had a, it was a comfortable household. We're not rich, but it was, it was very much, they never, lacked anything there was no real hardship so there's always a fear that they're going to grow up being spoiled and and unmotivated since they really haven't had to be pushed to to survive and yet somehow um whatever it was the values that i was able to impart and he decided on his own that he wanted to serve his country and his state in the national guard and he's doing it in 
in the infantry, which is one of the most direct ways to serve in the army. He could he had a high test course. He could have gone done military intelligence or some some kind of job where he's in an office somewhere behind a computer. But no, he wanted to be at the front. And so I'm incredibly proud of him because he didn't have to do that. He didn't need money for college. He didn't need the sort of things that people need, like I did. I wasn't going to college if I didn't serve in the army. My my immigrant parents didn't have those resources. But uh, we could have we could we could have paid for his college, and he decided he was going to take care of it himself, and he was gonna he was gonna forge his own path. And so I'm incredibly proud of that because it's it's not very common. And also even less common, isn't it, for those of us who's supposed to be woke and progressive? So are you a real progressive? Are you really woke, Marcos? Because they're yeah. reserved for the people that they think they have a monopoly on Christianity in the military. They do. And you know what's funny is, is I wrote a piece about 15 years ago. I think it was in the American Prospect, but it was just talking about how the military is the ultimate woke society. It's the ultimate a socialistic utopia. He gets his food paid by the government, his housing, his medical care, his training. The entire ethos is that they are only as strong as their weakest. There, it's this is not like out, you're on your own. This is about the team and about making sure everybody is lifted up to be as effective and as cohesive as a society as possible. And it is. It is as close, I think, as you get in America to a true meritocracy where people are promoted based on objective criteria, not not an old boys club, which is usually dominated by old, rich white men. And so it's really, that's what I really came out of it when I came out of the army. I went in as a Republican. This is a story I've told a lot of times. I was 17. I was dumb and didn't know any better, but I went in as a Republican and I came out as a liberal because as I came out in 1992, this is the rights of Newt Gingrich in the contract with America. And I voted Republican in 1994, but that was the last time I voted Republican. And it's because I was really turned off by this idea that everybody, it was a selfish me, don't help anybody. When I just spent three years in a society that really was built upon cohesiveness and looking out for each other and taking care of each other, all of it funded by the government. I have found, and you may have heard me say this before too, even in my own family, but sometimes people who eventually leave the military or retire from the military, especially those who have been career, those types of veterans tend to be some of the most progressive. Have you noticed that it's something about that experience? People come out, not to mention a lot of times veterans don't get their fair share and mobilize them, mobilizes them even more to be progressive. But in my family, black veterans and even black veterans, especially outside of my family, at times they can be the most progressive of all. Yeah. Yeah. you have like right wing generals like Michael Flynn, right? You have they exist, so it's not. But two of the most prominent generals right now commenting on both on the Ukraine war, but also on just general society and it pushing back against this woke army thing are Ben Hodges 
and Mark Hurtling, and they were both former NATO Supreme Commanders, and they're both incredibly active on Twitter, pushing back against right-wing ideology. It really, the military really is a selfless society. And not only are you looking out for your buddies and you're working together and you're only as strong as your weakest link, but there's a higher purpose, right? Service to your country and service to, to, to humanity in a sense. And I know liberals have this latent distrust of the military, and, but it's really, it's, the military is not the issue. It's how it's wielded by certain people like George W. Bush. But it is as a society and having been part of that, it really shaped me politically and made me the liberal person I am today. And like I said, I went in there buying into Reaganism. I went in in 1989. So right after, you know, the eight years, I grew my formative years were Ronald Reagan. So that's what I thought things were all about. And went in with this idea of like selfishness as a core political ideology. And I came out of it wanting to be selfless and realizing the value of community. And I was really turned off. It took me, I got out in 1992. And I, like I said, I voted 1994 Republican. That was the last time I voted Republican. And even then it was a tough vote for me because it takes a couple of years to transition, right? When we talk about suburban college educated white women, it's a process. They don't flip overnight solid Democratic voters. That's why there's still a swing constituency. And I, I was there. I was probably swing cons constituency in 1994. But uh, it was really hard for me to reconcile my feelings on uh, just, just that value of selfishness versus selflessness on top of attacks on a woman's right to choose and gay rights because, you know, I was young and that didn't resonate with me the evangelical attacks on individuals. That didn't sit, sit well with me either. But that was a big part of my ideological evolution into who I am today was my military service. So there is this idea that the military is very right-wing and those voices exist, obviously. The army is heavily overrepresented by Southern white gun nut types. I saw him at, at Ari's graduation. One, one of the dads had a picture of a gun that said, this is my vaccine. Another one had a t-shirt that said, I have 99 problems. Freedom with American flag is not one of them. So there, there was, it's clearly in Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, heavily overrepresented in his unit. And yet my woke Berkeley son beat them all and became <laughs> he was a soldier of the cycle. So it, it shows that value. And I think, I, who was it? One, one of those generals wrote a piece. It's in, the, it's in the Atlantic right now, published Tuesday or Wednesday, that basically talks about the value of the woke army. And a lot of it is just the ability to think creatively. So you're not locked in to these prejudices and biases. And so you are much more versatile in the battlefield and much more adaptable in the battlefield. They want people who are woke. They are better soldiers. And Ted Cruz and people like him, they fetishized the Russian army because they weren't woke in their, in their at recruiting ads where they were like Chris Hemingsworth. You know, he's commando looking, very 
toxic masculinity style supposed soldiers, we're seeing on the Russian, on the Ukrainian battlefield exactly what that toxic masculinity entails. And between their battlefield losses in Ukraine and so many of their men trying to escape Russia as general mobilization has been called shows that that is all BS and that we have the best military in the world. And when you look at the top militaries, they're all very open and allow gays and women to serve, whether it's Israel, whether it's United Kingdom, the various NATO armies, the US, Canada, Australia. These are all, quote, woke armies, and they are far more effective than that BS masculinity crap that, that, that we see in Russia and that the Ted Cruz's of the Republican Party fetishize. Yeah, yeah. No, and but again, congratulations. That is great news about your son. Congratulations to him. It, it's funny though, you mentioned the the right wing's affinity for the Russian military. Isn't this? Are we? Isn't this country? Aren't we all supposed to be standing with? The Ukrainian people. What is that about? You gotta. It's something yeah. Come right yeah. What? What it's about is that Vladimir Putin has appropriated the symbols of the QAnon American. So there is. He cries about cancel culture against Russia. He is hateful towards. Q individuals, and there is very harsh repression of non-cis individuals in in Russia. He the right the the might is right approach, right? It's all about strength. It's all about dominating other people. And let's not forget that he helped get Donald Trump elected. So there is that component that looks over at the. And, and, you know, they have it, it's there's a fetishization again of in there, it's Russian Orthodox Church, right? So the Orthodox Church is blessing soldiers as they head to Ukraine to die for Putin's ego. And so it, Putin has really learned to speak a language that appeals to that, to that Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, Donald Trump wing of the party. And the traditional Republican Party isn't buying it, right? And the Mitch McConnells are perfectly happy to allocate aid, continued aid for Ukraine for their fight. But it's really fascinating that there is this wing of the Republican Party that absolutely loves Putin and is doing Tucker Carlson, right? He features on Russian propaganda TV every single night, right? Because he keeps saying it's funny because right now Ukraine is in the middle of a counteroffensive that has taken back over 10,000 square miles of 10,000 square kilometers of, of formerly Russian occupied territory. Russian armies collapsing on multiple fronts. And yet Tucker Carlson has guest on to talk about how by every objective measure, Russia is winning. And then of course, Russia propaganda TV runs those segments saying America's most popular TV personality knows that Russia is winning. Objectively, they're getting spanked. It's not even, it's not even close right now. And so, 
it's actually quite perplexing. But Mark, you had this Republican Party that had a very clear brand. And uh, we used to complain that Democrats, everybody, yes, 10 Democrats, what the Democratic Party stands for, and you'd get 10 different answers. Everybody knew what Republicans were supposedly for, right? Strong national security, which was really Russia, anti-Russia, family values, and lower taxes. And then they elect Donald Trump, who was Putin's best puppet, if not an outright asset. Clearly, family values wasn't, it's not part of the Donald Trump family credo. And yeah, they got their tax cuts. And so maybe in the end, it turns out that the Republican Party was really about tax cuts and nothing else because they were and still are happy to carry water for Donald Trump, even though he makes a mockery of what their supposed brand was all about. Shameful indeed. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Speaking of Republicans, the minority leader... New Gingrich had his contract with America. We used to call it a contract on America. <laughs> uh, he, so what he, he has a commitment to America now. I think that's what he's calling it. McCarthy. Mark, Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, has a contract. I think part of it was Republicans had given up on, on any policy, right? We saw this with the whole... Obamacare thing where they were going to repeal and replace, but they could never tell us what they were going to replace it with. They were just really fixated on, on repeal. And it really came to a head in 2020 when Donald Trump just said, we're not even going to have a party platform. So they weren't even going to pretend to stand for anything that wasn't just worship of Donald Trump, their cult leader. So in early this year, Rick Scott, who is a senator from Florida and the chair of the Republican effort to retake the Senate, released his own plan and with policy. But that policy included things like raising taxes on 100 million Americans because he thought everybody should have, quote, skin in the game. And it also included basically getting rid of Social Security. And it would have to be up for a vote. It would have to be reauthorized every four years. And we know that with a filibuster and a divided government that... 
passing legislation is a challenge, right? So it was bas- basically a, a, an effort to eliminate Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. So Mitch McConnell panicked because, of course, uh, <laughs> it w- turns out we didn't really need that ammunition, given everything else that that the Republicans have given us this cycle. But it was essentially giving Democrats a, aha, this is what Republicans stand for. This is what happens if you elect Republicans. So I think McCarthy's plan, and I say that very loosely, was really in a lot of ways designed to counter criticism that the Republicans didn't stand for anything, and also an attempt to take attention off of Rick Scott's hilariously disastrous plan. So it, it turns out it, it's one page, and there's no policy in it, Mark, none. It only mentions inflation in passing, and it says things like, that this is the Republican plan, remember. This is what they think they're running on. It says things like, we salute those who paid the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our freedoms. That, Mark, that's not a plan. Those are campaign bromides. It's just, it's just baseline political talk that anybody can say. And so you go down this one page and, and again, zero actual policy proposals. Only that Newt Gingrich's contract with America on America actually had policy. This thing doesn't have any policy. And until you get to the very, very bottom, and there's one sentence about what Republicans are going to do if elected. So this is, I guess, the supposed policy part. This is their promise. And it says, I quote, Starting day one, we will work to deliver an economy that's strong, a nation that's safe, a future that's built on freedom, and a government that's accountable. That's the plan. That's not a plan. That's, Mark, that's utter nonsense. Not to mention, you're going to talk about a, a future built on freedom at the same time that they are systematically eliminating abortion rights and the right to marriage equality and same-sex marriage multiracial marriages and contraception. And you're going to talk about a government that's accountable after they voted twice to acquit Donald Trump from blatant and obvious wrongdoing. So it's, they got nothing, Mark. And they thought they had gas prices. But gas prices are going to be well under $3. They're already headed down. On the market, the prices of crude oil and natural gas have plummeted about 20% in the last 10 days, which means that we can expect gas prices to drop 10 to 20% more from where they are today. They, they built an entire campaign on inflation that was really about gas prices. That's gone. Yeah, we knew they wouldn't last forever. And they're flailing at other things too, aren't they? The IRS agents. Oh, IRS agents. Yeah. They think that because in this in- Inflation Reduction Act, they're hiring 80,000 new IRS agents to reduce the backlog on reimbursements and audit billionaires who are clearly not paying their fair share. And so they're trying to turn that into, on one hand, they're talking about Democrats are anti-law enforcement. And then on the other hand, they have these videos of supposed like IRS thugs in tactical gear, breaking down doors to come after you. And Mark, I haven't seen anything that suggests that's a thing that people are worried about. That 
that might be a hundred percent part of, of the echo chamber. Maybe they're talking about it in Breitbart, but there's nobody outside of right-wing nut circles that, that is worried about IRS thugs not breaking down our doors. It's really weird. So yeah, they don't got anything at this point. They're flailing. And in terms of the migrant buses, we didn't get to talk about that before you left. Is that getting any traction other than those in their own base? Is that moving? Oh, I, no. I think it's the opposite, Mark. I think it's, from what I can tell, it's actually backfiring disastrously. Even, I even saw some conservatives express, they thought they were owning the libs, right? And the libs, we didn't, nobody got angry. We're like, okay, great. We're going to help these people. And they got help. The community came together and everybody came together to, to provide resources and help for these individuals. So it didn't really create the backlash they thought they were going to create. And, uh, but on the other hand, what, you know, DeSantis, what, spent over a million dollars on that plane to one of his crony, one of his cronies companies. It was like $60,000 per seat on that plane. And so the cost of it, and Mark, not that Florida is getting hammered. The cost of the cleanup is going to be astronomical. And this idea that they wasted resources on a political stunt, I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to get any better. But the, not only was the media coverage in Florida brutal on DeSantis, but he, the plane to Martha's Vineyard was Venezuelan nationals. And Venezuela is one of the Republican Latino constituencies. The other two being Cubans, obviously, and Nicaraguans. And what they all have in common is that they're all political refugees from communist governments. So when Donald Trump goes on about Democrats are communists, it, it resonates with them. Whether it makes sense or not, obviously it's stupid, but it resonates with people who aren't politically sophisticated. So he just they took one of the DeSantis's core Latino Republican constituencies and punched them in the face. And so the reaction in Miami, not just from the Venezuelan community, which again is stalwart Republican, but from Cubans as well. And we know the importance of the Cuban community in, in Miami was absolutely brutal. And I, I saw a top Cuban official, Cuban-American official in Miami, say that DeSantis was acting like Fidel Castro. Now, Fidel Castro never sent immigrants to another city. So it... it there's no real, I'm not saying there's an applicability there, but it's just the biggest insult a Cuban could use against somebody is to say they are like Fidel Castro. Yeah. And yeah. so you have this incredibly important constituency, Republican constituency, and they are livid at DeSantis. So I think politically, will it cost them? I actually suspect it will cost them votes enough to lose the, uh, the election. It's going to be tough. Florida is going to be a tough state to, to win. It's Florida. But it's not doing them any favors. And the coverage of it wasn't, I think, what they thought it was going to be. In right-wing circles, yeah, like the bright parts, they were, they were happy about it. But in traditional media outlets that are actually reaching normal Floridians, it was harsh. Yeah, that's good. Not to mention, it, this is probably further mobilizing some of our base, isn't it? What it does is it reinforces the importance of voting. 
a lot of these things, like the January 6th commission, I don't think they bring new votes in, in any real numbers. I think what it does is it just reminds people why this election is important and it redoubles people's commitment to want to vote. I actually, in the same with Rick Scott's, his plan of cutting Social Security and raising taxes on people. I don't think these things on their own are going to bring people out. What's going to bring people out is the two things we've talked about before. is Donald Trump not getting off the stage, and he's a huge motivator for liberals, and an abortion, the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. So I think those for sure are, are moving the, uh, the election. Everything else I think is gravy at that point. And gravy makes it, gravy's important. <laughs> so I'm not going to say it doesn't ma- it matters. But uh, it's good to see that they're not, prote- they're not wearing a mask anymore, right? They're, they put on their hoods. They're, they are being who they are. And it's making it a lot easier. And you're seeing that in places like Pennsylvania, where the Republican t- top of the ticket is floundering because between Dr. Oz and Doug Mastriano, it's just, it's just brutal. They're terrible. And, and it makes it easier then to run campaigns as opposed to last year when in, in Virginia lied about who he was. He pretended not to be who he was. And the same thing happened in New Jersey, and they almost won in New Jersey. Now that the masks are off, nobody's pretending because they had to win primaries. So you, couldn't, you can't pretend if you needed Donald Trump's support. And it's made it easier for us to run against them. How's Tim Ryan doing in Ohio? The polls have him winning by three, four points. But the challenge is that he's at around 45, 46% in most of the polling and, uh, and JD Vance is like 42%. Problem is that Ohio is an eight point Trump state. It's a red state. And when you see polling like this in a state that's red or blue, the majority of undecided voters will vote the state. So in a blue state, if there's a lot of undecided, usually the Democrats gonna pick them up. In a red state, the Republicans pick them up. So, it's, he's still an underdog. Even though he's winning in the polls by a handful of points, he is still the underdog. That said, it's a weird election. Dobbs is motivating people in different ways. We saw in Kansas that Dobbs picked up 20% of its support was from Republicans. So there is a... And J.D. Vance is virulently anti-abortion. There's enough of a contrast there that there is a very real chance that the undecided are actual kind of suburban educated white Republicans who are like feeling really uneasy about where their party is going. And we may or may not get them. And that's probably what's going to decide the election. But we shouldn't be we shouldn't even be competitive in Florida and I mean, in Ohio. And J.D. Vance hasn't raised any money. So he's getting bombed out of the he's getting bombed on the money raise on the television advertising is almost all Democrats. and. It's, it's, I, I don't think advertising, TV advertising makes a big difference when everybody's yelling on TV. But if one side has almost complete dominance, it changes things. And the other good thing about Ohio is that regardless, Mitch McConnell's super PAC had to take money out of Pennsylvania and out of Arizona to then dump it into Ohio to the tune of $20 million. So it's, if nothing else, it's made it easier for us to win in Arizona 
in Pennsylvania. So even if Tim Ryan loses in Ohio, he will have done the party huge service. Okay. By providing a diversion. Let me not be remiss since we, you did touch on Florida and the visceral reaction people down there are even having. How's Val doing? How's Val Demings doing? Is that helping her? The migrant buses? I, I, I suspect that in the polling, she's behind Marco Rubio by two points. Going to be the turnout game. And it's Dobbs really, again, scrambles the equation with a lot of those Republican suburban educated voters. I think this hurricane is going to affect things in ways that we can't imagine. We don't know who's getting hit, who's getting pushed out of the state, who is not going to be in a position to vote in five weeks because they don't even have a home and they've gone to stay with family in Georgia or Alabama. And so it's, it's really, it's a, I can't even begin to imagine. I, I know we're competitive. I know Val has more money than any Democrat. She's raised the most money of any the candidate this cycle. And she's obviously she's a great candidate and dynamic candidate who is very loved. And Marco Rubio is kind of a jackass. So it's there is a definitely a chance there. Again, if it, Mark, you, we, we can't defend on Florida for anything, right? So Florida, if we win Florida, it's a cherry on top. It's not going to decide control of the Senate, but there's there's a very real chance. And can you imagine if we had Sherry Beasley and Val Demings in the Senate? What an upgrade that would be for our caucus. And that would almost, if we can hold the House at that point, we can get D.C., statehood in D.C., and that would be a huge upgrade. Whoever we get running and winning out of D.C., we have a real possibility to dramatically change what the Senate looks like just from a diversity from from a policy diversity these are not milkatoes democrats right these are fighters and so i'm excited at the possibility i'm i wouldn't right now i'd say marco rubio is favored but it it's pretty neck and neck he's got the slight edge and how this hurricane affects things i don't know how how this stunt and alienating the venezuelan community I don't know. I haven't seen what Val Demings has done to try to capitalize on that, but she's got a smart campaign. I'm sure they're working on it. Yeah, I'm definitely hopeful. And Marco has been silent on the buses, at least silent. Has he come out and endorsed specifically what DeSantis is doing? Or is, um, it looks like he's just being quiet. Yeah, I, th- I think that. Yeah, yeah. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. We shall see. Folks, send us with a Q, dailycoast.com. Don't forget to check out The Brief, the podcast. Again, congratulations to the proud father of the Advanced Infantry the Advanced Infancy Training graduate, the proud father. Congrats again, man. Thank you, as always. Thank you so very much. And yeah, we'll talk next week. Thanks. 
Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.